from the Heidelberg Catechism we read together, Lord's Day 39. What does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline, and also have patience with our weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this afternoon we deal with the fifth commandment, which teaches us about obeying those whom the Lord has put in authority over us. For life to function well in our families and communities, there needs to be someone in charge. God has ordained life in such a way that parents are to instruct and discipline their children. Elders are to shepherd the flock. And kings and civil leaders are to govern over their countries. You need authority to lead and guide others. God has given this authority to allow our families and our communities to function well. As sinful people, we don't always appreciate this. Often we see authority as a threat to our freedom. At times, those in authority restrict us from doing what we would like. Parents will at times say no to what their kids want to do. Elders will admonish us if we live a sinful life. Police officers will enforce the rules of the road. The law will punish us if we're found guilty of committing a crime. We don't always like that. Our heart's inclination is to resist having others tell us what to do. And so we easily see authority as a threat to our freedom. The proper exercise of authority is never a threat to our freedom. Consider what happens in a society where there's a breakdown of law and order. Are people more or less free? If lawmakers, police, and judges don't do their jobs well, they're far less free. In a lawless place, people often live in fear. They're afraid of going out in public because they're always in danger of being robbed or assaulted. In many lawless places around the globe, people are forced to live behind compounds with fences, dogs, and guards because of the threat of someone breaking into their home. Yet there's also circumstances where those in authority abuse their power. Pick any dictatorship, China, North Korea, Cuba, or Venezuela, and you will see the powerful oppressing the weak for their own benefit. There is a saying about this, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. The reason for this is the sinfulness of the human heart. It's very difficult to administer authority wisely. Throughout much of the Western world, we've experienced unprecedented limitations to our freedoms. Over the past 16 months, many governments have put public health restrictions in place to try contain the spread of COVID-19. It has created much hardship for many people economically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. These public health orders have come under much critique from part of society while being heartily supported by another part of the population. 
They've caused many of the churches across our land to be shut down, or at least severely limited in their worship of God. It's raised many questions. We wonder about the wisdom of the public health orders. We question the government's right to limit our freedom of religion, speech, peaceful assembly, and association. We understand that all our freedoms are subject to reasonable limits prescribed by law as can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. But many believe the government has done a very poor job of demonstrating the need for such extensive shutdowns. And in the midst of all this, we've been confronted with the fifth commandment. Commands us to honor our father and mother that our days may be long in the land the Lord our God has given us. By extension, this commandment teaches us to show honor, love, and faithfulness to all those in authority over us. Submit to their due instruction and discipline. Also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it's God's will to govern us by their hand. This afternoon we'll examine the relationship between a government and its subjects to discern what God requires of us in the fifth commandment. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. The governing authorities have been instituted by God for our good. We'll consider the government's authority, the people's responsibility, and the Lord's blessing. Our society seems to have a love-hate relationship with the government. People love the government for the benefits it provides. They turn to the government for help in times of need. Yet at the same time, we can often get frustrated with our governments. We do not always agree with the laws our governments pass or with their unwillingness to make laws to protect the lives of the unborn, the sick, or the elderly. We get frustrated with all the rules and regulations that are in place when we're involved in a building project. No one likes getting a speeding ticket. At tax time, we resent how much of our money we're required to pay in taxes. It's not hard for us to adopt an anti-authoritarian attitude toward our governments. But such attitudes are wrong. Do you understand why? It's because the Lord has put the governing authorities in place. Paul speaks about this in Romans 13. He commands God's people saying, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. God alone is the source of all governing authority. God has ordained every king, president, prime minister, and premier. God's the one who puts governments in their place. He uses human authorities to fulfill His purposes. The Bible makes this very clear. It was the Lord who anointed Saul and David as Israel's first kings. The Bible gives many other examples of how the Lord is king over the world's rulers. In Daniel 2, Daniel confesses that it is the Lord who sets up kings and deposes them. Daniel interprets King Nebuchadnezzar's dream about the great image with a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, middle and thighs of bronze and legs of iron. 
Daniel showed the king that it was the God of heaven who had given him the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory. Yet although Nebuchadnezzar was currently ruler over all the then known world, God would cause other kingdoms to arise to rule over mankind. Isaiah prophesies about one of those rulers. Long before the Medes and Persians became the dominant world power, Isaiah spoke about how the Lord would anoint Cyrus as ruler. The Lord said, He is my shepherd, and he shall fulfill my purpose. We know that it was by the decree of Cyrus, king of Persia, that God's people were freed to return home from exile and commanded to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And so we see how God used world rulers both to take his people into captivity and to release them from it. They were appointed by God. They were used by him to accomplish his purposes. Rulers and governments have authority because God has given this to them. That applied not just in biblical times. It also applies today. It applies not just to our democracies, but even to those countries ruled by dictators. It's not to say that God approves of every form of government or of everyone who holds government office. But He is the one who has given them authority. It's to Him that each one of them will have to give account. Why has God given governments authority? It is because of the depravity of mankind that the Lord has ordained the civil authorities. He wants the world to be governed by laws and statutes in order that the lawlessness of man may be restrained. Paul makes that clear in Romans 13. He says, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. There's places in this world where the government is not able to make or to enforce laws effectively. And in such places, lawlessness abounds. I personally have experienced a little bit of this in Papua New Guinea. It's simply not a safe place to live. You need to be careful where you go and to avoid large crowds. There's always people targeting you as a Westerner, looking to pick your pocket or rob you. Our missionaries in PNG need to live in secured compounds with high barbed wire fences, electric gates, and security guards patrolling the premises. We've had a taste of this closer to home in recent years. Last May, George Floyd died while being detained by police in Minneapolis, Minnesota. A video was captured of a police officer arresting him with his neck on this man's knee. It led to wide-scale protests throughout many of America's cities. While some of these protests were peaceful, many turned violent. Last spring, the news was filled with images of violent clashes between protesters and police, with parts of many cities on fire. The arson, vandalism, and looting resulted in more than a billion dollars of property damage 
across 140 U.S. cities. It shows, beloved, that unless the lawlessness of man is restrained, people will at times behave badly. There are times when we struggle to submit to the civil authorities, but God has put them in authority for our good. Paul commanded Timothy to pray for all kings and all in high positions, that we may live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Here we see the reason why God give, gave authority to the civil magistrate. It's so that life may be ordered in a way that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. We see when a government functions well, its citizens are blessed. Part of the government's task is to maintain law and order, to ensure that justice is administered so we can live in safety and security. Yet their mandate involves more than that. In Belgian Confession, Article, 20, Article 36, we confess their task of restraining and sustaining is not limited to the public order, but it includes the protection of the church and its ministry. In order that the kingdom of Christ may come, the word of the gospel may be preached everywhere, and God may be honored and served by everyone. Please understand what our confession is saying. It's not confusing the roles of church and state. It's not telling the state to do the church's job. But what it is saying is that the government needs to protect the church and its ministry so the church can advance God's kingdom on earth. Living in a secular democracy, our governments don't understand this aspect of their role. It's true that churches still receive some tax breaks as charitable organizations. But our governments have done away with the Lord's Day Act, which minimized Sunday shopping to only what was absolutely necessary. Recently, due to the threat of COVID-19, governments across our nation issued public health orders, restricting business activities, social gatherings, and worship. Because many of our leaders don't understand what the church is and God's call to worship Him, churches were deemed non-essential. They were put in a different category than grocery stores or liquor marts. Many have lamented the government's restrictions on worship. As consistory, we have written letters to the Manitoba government about this. Yet they have deemed that indoor gatherings are places where COVID-19 spreads more readily. In a response to our latest letter, dated June 1st, the government stated that public health orders have been driven by one critical objective, keeping Manitobans safe from the COVID-19 virus. In this letter, the government shared that recently there have been more than 20 outbreaks and clusters linked to faith-based gatherings and funerals. We may feel that the government's management of COVID-19 is unwise. We can argue that the costs of the public health orders outweigh the benefits. But we need to recognize that the government's stated objective is to protect and to preserve life. It brings us to our second point, and it will consider the people's responsibility. God has given the civil government authority to make and enforce laws and to rule over the nation. 
He has given us the responsibility to submit ourselves to the government. The fifth commandment says, honor your father and mother. Our catechism explains that I am to show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. From this we see that we are to honor our governments. Practically speaking, this is often difficult for us. It's difficult to honor our governments when they make laws that we disagree with or when they manage their responsibilities poorly. Many of us are unhappy with the leadership of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. His government has done a horrible job on the fiscal management of our country, more than doubling Canada's debt in less than six years. They opposed a private member's bill protecting girls from being aborted simply because of their sex. They passed legislation forbidding pastors and counselors from discouraging young people for opting for changes in their sexual identity. Similarly, many are deeply frustrated with Premier Brian Pallister. Yet we need to ask ourselves, what does God require of us with respect to our leaders? What does he teach us in the fifth commandment? This commandment teaches that irrespective of their good or bad positions on various things, God commands us to honor our leaders. Honor begins with showing them the respect that they are due. Not because of who they are, but because of the position of authority God has given them. Beloved, we need to recognize God has chosen to govern us by these men. When they promote policies that are bad for our country, province, or city, we may respectfully disagree. In our country, we have freedom of speech. Citizens are allowed. They're even encouraged to enter into debate in the public square. We're allowed to write letters, to make phone calls, even to arrange personal visits with the government officials. We can even use court challenges to challenge unjust laws. But how we do that as Christians is really important. We need to do it showing proper respect to our leaders. Besides showing respect, we're also commanded to submit ourselves with due obedience to the governing authorities. In Titus 3 verse 1, Paul tells Titus, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. In 1 Peter 2, Peter commands, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors. Show proper respect to everyone. Fear God, honor the king. God has put the civil magistrates in a position of authority over us and we're commanded to obey them. Are there limits to a government's authority and to our obedience? Yes, there are. We may disobey the government in any specific matter where the government requires us to do something forbidden by God. Thus, the Egyptian midwives refused to obey Pharaoh's command to kill the Hebrew baby boys. And similarly, Daniel's three friends refused to bow down to worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had made. 
But what about when the government issues public health orders restricting or even shutting down worship at time for months on end? Some have argued that this causes us to sin against the fourth commandment, where God commands us to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We believe that the fourth commandment requires us to diligently attend the church of God. Hebrews 10.25 instructs us not to neglect meeting together. Then people quote from Acts 5.29 and say, We must obey God rather than men. There are churches that have opened contrary to public health orders. And in our circles there is debate. There's controversy about what's right in such circumstances. Let's examine more closely our reading from Acts 5. The Jewish ruling council arrested the apostles for preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. They were put in the public prison. During the night, the Lord sent an angel who opened the door of the prison and commanded them to go and preach in the temple. They did so. When the religious leaders met the next morning, they sent to the prison to have the apostles brought before them. But they were not there. It was reported that they were in the temple teaching the people. When the apostles were brought before the Jewish council, the high priest questioned them about why they disobeyed the command not to teach in Jesus' name. It's in this context that the apostles responded, We must obey God rather than man. Observe several critical points, beloved. First examine who the apostles were disobeying. In Israel at the time, the civil authorities were the Romans. They gave responsibility to the Jewish religious leaders to govern the worship of God. In Matthew 23, Jesus upheld their authority. Jesus said, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. Since that time, the Jewish council had crucified the Christ. They had paid off witnesses of his resurrection. In the book of Acts, we see how the spiritual authority for God's people passes from the Jewish council to the apostles and the elders of the church. Further, the Lord performed a great miracle, sending an angel to set his representatives free commanding them to preach about him in the temple. Not only did the apostles have the general commandment to preach the gospel to all peoples. When set free from prison, the angel commanded them, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. They had specific authorization from God to disobey the command of the religious leaders. I know that when people quote, we must obey God rather than man, their desire is to show proper obedience for the fourth commandment. But in some ways, quoting this passage out of context distorts it. The men the apostles were disobeying were not the civil authorities, but religious leaders who had shown themselves to be unfaithful to God and were blatantly opposing His work. God's judgment on them would become clear within 40 years when Jerusalem was destroyed. So is there ever a time 
when we may disobey the authorities in order to gather to worship Christ? Yes. Christians throughout history have done that when their governments forbade the true worship of God. It's happening today with the underground church in China and elsewhere. But shouldn't we be following the lead of Grace Community Church led by Reverend John MacArthur or Grace Life Church near Edmonton led by Reverend James Coates who opened during the COVID-19 health crisis? Well, beloved, that's a really hard question. Ultimately, it's up to consistory to decide whether or not to call the congregation together for in-person worship. In part, its decision will be based on its perspectives on COVID-19. Consistory needs to consider the fourth commandment's call to diligently attend the church of God. And the fifth commandment's call to honor and submit to the civil authorities. It needs to consider the government's intent to protect and preserve life with the consequences of restricting worship. It needs to consider the impact of its decision on the church's witness to the world. It also needs to consider that there's significant difference in perspective on these things in our church to weigh the consequences of whatever decisions it makes on the unity of the church. It brings us to our final point, and it will consider the Lord's blessing. The fifth commandment contains a promise. God commands, honor your father and mother, and adds the promise that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Paul draws attention to this promise in Ephesians 6. He teaches to obey the fifth commandment that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. What's clear is that God's blessing will rest on those who honor and obey those in authority over them. Children need to show honor, love, and faithfulness to their father and mother. Congregation members are commanded to obey their leaders and to submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls. We're all commanded to be subject to the governing authorities. We disobey these commands at our own peril. Not submitting to those in authority over us will often have negative practical consequences. Parents and elders will admonish and discipline us. The government can fine or imprison us. But that, beloved, is not the worst thing. There's a bigger problem with being unwilling to submit to the authorities God has placed over us. The problem is that if we are unwilling to respect and obey the earthly authorities, we're often also unwilling to obey God's authority. You know what happens when people rebel against God, don't you? God will warn and admonish us for a time. He'll call us to repentance. But if we have hard and stubborn hearts, He will eventually remove His blessings from us. Instead, we'll come under His judgment. The opposite is also true. The Lord promises that it will go well with us and that we will enjoy a long life on the earth. Our governments have been given authority to restrain the wickedness of man 
that everything among them may be conducted in good order. When the government rightly exercises its God-given authority, its people are blessed. Then the Lord allows us to live quiet, peaceable lives. Then there's room for the church to flourish. As Christians, we're, we have a calling to honor and respect our governments. We're called to submit and obey any law that does not directly contravene what God teaches us in His Word. We're to pay our taxes and to pray for our leaders. God has promised His blessing on those who do this. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing from Psalm 146, stanzas 1, 2, 3, and 4.